Today is a special two-part podcast with the brothers behind Key2 Super Coffee. In just three years, they have taken the company started out of the youngest brother's college dorm room to being the number one selling bottled coffee in the U.S. and a business worth over $100 million. When Sean first met Jim, Jake, and Jordan DeSico, he knew that their infectious positive energy, relentless drive, and unmatched work ethic would have them doing great things. And he came on board as an early investor into Super Coffee. Following that investment, the DeSicos were featured on episode 53 of What Got You There right after their episode of the hit TV show Shark Tank aired. While they didn't get a deal in the tank, that hasn't slowed them down on the road to success. This episode is a little different and the first half catches you up on all the things since Shark Tank. And then the second half is questions that you, the listeners, have sent in. If you want to hear the beginning story, go and listen to episode 53 first. So go ahead and get ready to uncover the secrets to a growing business, working with family, keeping health a top priority, and so much more. Making change transpire. That's the mission behind the most amazing tasting protein bar brand taking the nutrition industry by storm. That brand, they're MCT Co. And they make the most delicious, keto-friendly, all-natural collagen protein bars. If you're obsessed with the quality of food going into your body like I am, then head out and pick up these amazing bars jammed with 10 grams of collagen protein. They only have two to three net carbs, no added sugar, and loaded with high-quality MCT oil for the healthy fats from coconuts. Whether you're busy running the kids around from activity to activity, a professional athlete, or just someone looking for a great-tasting convenience snack, do yourself a favor. Head to mctco.com and use code WGYT for 20% off your order. Do you guys miss your favorite childhood cereals but had to give them up because of all the sugar? Meet Catalina Crunch, the world's first keto-friendly, zero-sugar cereal in delicious dark chocolate, cinnamon toast, maple waffle, and honey graham. When the founder of Catalina Crunch was diagnosed at age 17 with type 1 diabetes, he set out to satisfy his chocolate craving and created his own. This low-carb, zero-sugar cereal will power you through the day with 10 grams of plant-based protein, 6 grams grams of fiber to fill you up and is also gluten-free, grain-free, dairy-free, and 100% plant-based. Don't forget about that turmeric as well to help fight inflammation and boost immunity. If you want to enjoy and receive 10% off your entire order, head to CatalinaCrunch.com. That's Catalina, C-A-T-A-L-I-N-A, Crunch.com, and use code WGYT10 for 10% off. I just finished snacking on some of the dark chocolate, and it was delicious. You guys need to head out and pick some up today. We've got the DeSico brothers back in action. It's been over a year, year and a half since you guys have been on the big Shark Tank debut. Let's first start off. We'll just grab a mic. I want to know names, where you guys are in the lineup in terms of brothers, just so the listeners know who we're talking with. You got Jake, the middle brother here. Jim said strongest brother before we started, but that's the middle brother right there. (laughs) And you got Jordan here, the youngest brother and chief operating officer at Super Coffee. And the birthday boy. Yes, the big 2-4. This is my Kobe year, so... 
Uh, for all you LeBron fans, uh, Kobe's still better. <laughs> Today. There we go. So it's, it's been over a year and a half. The, the one thing I'm really interested in right now is how you guys go from Shark Tank to where you are. And we're going to hit on that. But for the new listeners, what's the origin story? Just give us a quick recap how this even came to be. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, youngest brother, Jordan, here. Uh, I was a freshman at Philadelphia University. I played basketball there. Um, loved coffee. Uh, quickly learned though that the uh, fast-paced student athlete lifestyle, um, you know, it was more difficult than I thought it would be. So looking for options on the go, energy drinks, bottled coffees, but nothing kind of fit what I what I needed, what my body needed. Uh, everything was loaded with sugar and artificial ingredients, um, and and I decided like, hey, I can probably just make something better myself. So turned to my dorm room blender, uh, started using organic coffee, protein, zero sugar, things like MCT oil, which were just starting to come onto the market, um, and then from there. Uh, you know, a lot of trial and error and uh, some hard conversations with these guys, but uh, we decided to launch the business. Yeah, one, one thing I'm really interested in is is how do you go from that idea to, to saying, I'm going to take this leap and I'm going to start a business and then loop my two brothers in and make them leave whatever they're doing and focus on that. I mean, how do you take that step? Yeah, I think I was just very naive, uh, right? Super <laughs> well, competitive. Yeah. yeah, but fortunately, you know, the real answer is just passion, right? I really found what I thought at the time and still think is was my calling. Um, basketball was great. I was a full scholarship player, but uh, that was, you know, that was more selfish uh, for me to, to play a sport that I loved, um, where this was an opportunity to help other people. Um, and to me, that just really resonated. So after my freshman year, um, making that jump, I decided to, to drop out of school. Um, and we really said, hey, this is all or nothing. Um, let's put ourselves against the wall here and, and see what we have. Um, and when you when you make that decision, you kind of don't have a choice but to but to make it work. I'm so fascinated by this. Talk about that fear of failure. Did you guys have any or did you just know it was going to work out? Yeah, I think I'll start and then let these guys chime in. But, um, you know, again, we are so naive, so passionate, and we're just natural competitors um, that we definitely um, are always willing to bet on ourselves. We thought we were going to win. But, of course, always. I mean, that's what kept us up at night early on. Every day you could go out of business. We didn't have money. We don't come from money. Um, so just looking at that bank account, you know, always dwindling down. Um fighting for every single sale, producing it ourselves. I mean, fear of failure definitely was a, was a motivator for us early on. It still is, right? It's still always, and that's what makes great athletes um, or great competitors, great business people great, is that in the back of their mind, um, the, their biggest fear is failing or losing their success. So that still drives us. Yeah, and, and I think conversely to that, though, it was also, we say the early days, we probably did more dreaming than we did working. You know, and it was it was the the idea of this dream, and I think that's a good comparison to athletics. Where, uh, as a young child, like you lay in your bed and think about like hitting that home run in the bottom of the ninth, or, or scoring the touchdown, or whatever it was, and um, that's really where for business, Jordan and I and Jim, we were always kind of had our idea of getting to where we are today, you know, and beyond today. Um, so the dream has kind of always evolved, but I think the dream going back to the, how naive we were felt so real that the fear of failure was like, we'll, we'll only fail if we don't work hard and we don't do what we're set out to do. But the dream felt so real and so achievable um, that our athletic backgrounds and the competitiveness kind of took over and just went towards that dream. Yeah. And, and for me, it was always daunting looking up at that mountaintop, right? Like starting from, starting from the bottom and, and looking at other big brands that, that everybody knows and loves and drinks for us, it was, Honest tea and, and vitamin water and pie and Zico and, and seeing where they were at when we were first getting started, it was like, how the hell are we ever going to get there? So that that was daunting, but one step at a time. We, what Jake, Jake always says, you move a mountain, you start by carrying small stones, and that's what it's been every single day. 
I'm really intrigued about what you were talking about there, Jake. And and you mentioned that you keep moving that aspiration, that goal. So then as you guys continue to evolve, where maybe when you first set out a few years ago, you, you might have passed the goal you guys had. So then how as an entrepreneur do you continue to keep moving that goal? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think it, it comes from competitive nature, right? And uh, the goal early on was to create like a $100 million company. And it's funny because we've, we've surpassed that. And um, it was never, it was never actually the goal. I think that was just like the idea of what making it meant, you know, and like we read that in entrepreneurial books. Um, but along the way, you just kind of have your eyes on the next 12 months or the next 18 months. Um, and, and sometimes people who know us are like, damn, you guys don't celebrate the wins or, or like getting on Shark Tank or Forbes 13 or 30 or any of these awesome accolades should feel like you've arrived. Um, but I feel like the three of us genuinely don't feel like we always say we're just getting started, you know, and, and there's just so much more out there and so much more to do um that it goes back to that initial dream and the initial dream wasn't a destination of of monetary value or success but it was just making healthy coffee more accessible and if in, until you're in every store in every corner at, at every bodega you really not have haven't got there so um, i think the evolution of the of the dream um just comes with checklists you know like okay we we got there and then it's like it's it's like road work that's what we say building a brand is like road work you're never done it's so interesting. You, you were talking about just, there's always so much more to do. And Jim, you and I have talked about this in the past and you're like, Sean, I could literally sit here for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I, I just wouldn't be able to accomplish every single thing we need to get done. So then how do you, do you handle that? How do you manage that expectation, hard charging individuals and, and just being able to come to that realization you can't work nonstop? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that that I've learned is, you know, really time management and prioritizing those biggest those biggest opportunities and also the biggest challenges. So in in one aspect, you know, to Jake's point, like maybe we check off we, we hit a quarterly goal, uh, but now you're setting another quarterly goal and you're you're looking at those priorities. What's it going to take to hit that? And then what are some of the problems that stand in our way? So there's there are a lot of fires that we let burn, uh, a lot of little tasks that. Um, we let go or we can't always get to, um, and that's okay. And you need to be, you need to be cool with that. You can't say yes to everything, um, which I, I know Jim has more to add on here, but, um, prioritizing your time and effort to get the biggest return on it, um, has been probably the, the best evolution the three of us have had over the past year, even, um, I'd say. Yeah. And just given our competitive nature as mainly as coming from athletes, um, we always wanted like we thought we were invincible, you know, like burnout, that would never happen to me. And, and you and I have talked about it. Like stress is real. And, and the, the amount of work is real. It's like overwhelming and impossible to get to it all. So the, the work doesn't stop when you're done. It, it stops when you stop. Right. So, so for us, it's about to, to Jordan's point, prioritizing your time and focusing on, on the big fish. There's a quote, like a, a lion has the ability to kill a mouse, but if a lion spent all of his time killing mice, he, he would die. Right. So, so for us, it's like, what are the big fish, the, 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 the big, bigger tasks that we need to prioritize? Um, but then also taking care of ourselves, you know, like the, the air mask principle, you can't help somebody else if, if you're not taking care of yourself first. So um, for, for us, we've really matured and evolved into that because I was, I was the kid who was like, I will never burn out. You know, I, I can wake up at- I will never lose my hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then it gets you catches up to you until you put in those best practices, the meditation, the eating right, the exercise, all of those things are equally as important as it is to getting the work done. Yeah. Having those best practices is key. When, when you guys were on the episode aired the day after Shark Tank, how many employees did you guys have at that time? Do you remember? Seven. Seven. 
And so we were talking yesterday, Jim, 51 right now, full-time employees. Full-time yeah, employees. 51 full-time and then about 100 part-time as well. Um, so we're right, just crossing that 150 total mark too, which is which is pretty exciting because a lot of, I think we're more, we're as proud of the 100 part-time as we are 50 full-time just because um, our, our program, we call it the Positive Energy Project. Uh, it's almost like a brand ambassador program, but kind of on steroids. We take it to the next level where they are a part of the team. They are a part of the culture. They have jobs and that is to spread as much positive energy, sell as much coffee as you can where you are. But these are people who might have full-time jobs, aren't fully fulfilled and want something more on the weekends or college kids who really need to learn. And every single person would be an intern who's with us for three months or pep squad members who have been with us for a year. It's the best experience they've had in the workforce. And I think that that impact, while we're not you know, financially in a position to have 150 full-time people, um, it allows us to, to extend our reach and also have a bigger impact on people. I know one of the, the listener questions is around culture, so we'll save a little bit of that for, for a few minutes from now. But if you guys were launching a new company today, you've, you've learned a lot over the past three, year, three plus years. What, what would you guys do differently, if anything? Protect equity more. <laughs> no, no, I think uh, the biggest thing, which I, you know, I think subconsciously we've done well, but um, just really from day one, set that standard of of not only who we want to be, but how we're how we're going to get there. Um, we, you know, we've always had a clear purpose, um, but I don't think we've ever really had a clear roadmap um, until now, because now we're looking back on it, and it's easy to say, okay, here's where we made a mistake, here's where we did things right, but most of the things we did right were really subconscious, um, you know, just from I think you know, the way we were raised. Um, but I, I think there's very simple principles that putting your team first um, is everything. And again, we've done that, but not to the full extent that maybe we should have or could have from day one. Um, and so I think we could have built the brand a little bit faster early on um, and overcame some early struggles much more quickly if we um, focused on bringing in that talent, surrounding us with that talent earlier, investing more in people um, to then just working 20 hours a day ourselves early on. So uh, that's the only thing I think I would change. Yeah, for, for us, it's like, for me at least, it's now this idea that structure sets you free. To Jordan's point, everything was intuitive and we were just doing what we thought was right or what we felt was right. And in the early days, we weren't as efficient as we could have been. We weren't measuring things. We weren't we weren't do, getting, like we, we would take the long way around. We work harder, not smarter. And as the business has evolved, as we've hired people and, and, and raised money, we've put processes in place to streamline some of these things. Yeah, I second that. And I think like the phrase that I hate the most now is I'm too busy, right? Like when you hear someone say, I'm too busy to do something, especially something that's going to add structure to set you free, um, is definitely something that we didn't believe in at first. It was like, how, how could I possibly create time to, to create process while I'm doing a million other things? But if we would have slowed down to speed up and created that process and structure earlier, we probably would have become more efficient earlier as well. That's such a great point. I'm thinking about the framework that you guys have continued to build. If there's a young entrepreneur listening right now, how have you guys been able to surround yourselves with different entrepreneurs, different business leaders, and really pull and extract lessons from them? Yeah, and I mean, it could be as simple as a, like an impersonal relationship by reading somebody's book. You know, Jordan has had a major impact by uh, Ray Dalio's principles, which you just covered on, on your last episode. Um, but but for us, it's not having the like. Don't be afraid to reach out to people. You know, we we see ourselves as the players and, and people who have come before us with successful businesses, not necessarily in beverage, but. Anybody who's come before us, they're the coaches. We, we've learned a bunch along the way, but we, we need to learn from others. And, and uh, George, you want to tell the story of Seth Goldman? Yeah, yeah. And I think this is this is a cool story. And, you know, 
the book principles, I think books in general, uh, it's super important and in being intentional about those books though. And that comes from coming from a, a college drop. Yeah. Who never read a book in his life literally before I dropped out of school, which is really funny. So I didn't start reading until I dropped out of school. So probably backwards, but I kind of had to, um, to learn. So I'll tell a Seth story after just the one point I wanted to make was just like, the reason why principles is such a great book is because it teaches you how to overcome some of your own one, identify your own weaknesses and then teach you how to overcome some of those things. So when I talk about reading, it needs to be intentional. If you want to get better, like I don't necessarily, and Jake and I talk about this. I don't necessarily read books where I think I'm, I'm already have some strengths. I read books where, um, I think I have weaknesses. Um, and I try to get feedback and then, and then improve on those. And, um, but the other thing is, you know, surrounding yourself with great people. Don't act like, you know, everything don't act like, you know, I think early on, we always thought we knew everything or we were the best at something. Um, Jimmy was really good at, at getting us great mentors and advisors. And now I think we all try to be as transparent as possible. Like, Hey, I don't know what you're talking about. Can you please explain this to me? Can yep. we get somebody who knows what they're talking about? Um, and early on, I think one of the, one of the cool things we did was we looked at brands who have done it before. Honest Tea, based right in DC, one of those brands now owned by Coca-Cola, over $500 million a year in revenue, started in 1998 out of Seth Goldman's garage. Um, so we reached out to Seth, you know, from day one and said, hey man, starting this coffee company, don't know what I'm doing, but I love it. And I think it, you know, could be very similar to your story, um, how you disrupted that industry with organic, less sweet tea. And Seth has been instrumental to, to our uh, evolution, I think, since day one, just constant feedback, answering emails, anytime we send it over, chomping on phone calls, coaching us through the most simple, uh, you know, frameworks of raising money to getting new distributors. Um, so surrounding yourself with those mentors, not being afraid to ask, not being afraid to show weakness. Um, those are all things that I think ultimately we had to overcome in the beginning, but have really helped us. Um, yeah. And just one, one add on to that point. I really think it's about like leveraging your network. And I think so many people and so many young entrepreneurs think of their network as either their alumni circle or people that they know, but really what credit to Jordan and to our naiveness and Jim for always pushing on this, but your network is the industry that you're, you're in and whether you're, you are just launching in that industry or you've been an industry veteran, but like when we launched in food and beverage, specifically beverage, uh, Jim realized that, that that's our network now, right? And, and the people of, of this industry want to pay it forwards and, and they want to help the, the next generation of beverage entrepreneurs. Um, and I think so many people think of networking as like, you need to know somebody to go out and, and reach out to them. But really, we're just trying to follow the path that they've already paved and people are actually willing to help, even if you've never met them or don't have a family connection or whatever. Like you're part of the, the same culture now. And, and for us, that's better for you food and beverage and people within our, our network are willing to help. You mentioned the beverage industry. Obviously, you guys had no experience prior coming into this. So how do you develop that skill acquisition and just overall understanding of a market? Yeah, it's test and learn, right? Trial trial by fire. And, and for us, we didn't know what we were doing. We just knew that we needed to sell coffee to build a business. So we showed up at Whole Foods on the first day with a product that didn't taste great. It wasn't put together great. The label was ugly, but we sold a lot of it. You know, we, we got into one store, didn't have a, bit, a perfect business plan, didn't have... A, the financing behind us didn't have a factory didn't have a distributor we we were always about control what you can control and for us that was we can make deliveries we can stock shelves we can pour samples you know we can figure out how to send invoices in quickbooks um so we just we learned we that's how you gather that information and now today because we sell a lot of coffee 
we're able to hire people who are smarter than us and, and they tell us what to do. So it's, uh, it, it, it's a relief, but it, it came by us sort of doing it the hard way. Yeah. A lot like sport and like just repetitions and, uh, to what Jim's describing is, is we did everything. And when we learned how to make deliveries, how to make the product, how to do demos, how to stock shelves. And we really took on this idea of like, be where you are and be present in what you're doing. So if we were a delivery guy that day, even though Jim was the CEO, he had to be the best delivery guy for the next eight hours. And a Jesse Itzler quote that's really applicable to this is the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Um, and I thought that was just a great way for us to, to learn the tools of the trade was by getting our feet wet and, and doing all the different parts of the business. But focused on being a demo rep or focused on being a merchandiser. Even though Jordan might've been the founder, he was still learning how to do demos at a high level and then could teach people how to do demos at a high level. The cool thing about that too, which we learned in, you know, the Peter Thiel fellowship is, is, you know, from those Silicon Valley entrepreneurs is again, subconsciously, yes, we were selling coffee and that's why we were doing the demos. But that gave us such an advantage because I was standing there with 100 to 200 of our customers every single day and getting their feedback and insights. And obviously, you don't listen to everything your customers say, but if they tell you it tastes bad, you better believe that it doesn't taste as good as it can. Um, so getting Did you believe them? <laughs> Did you believe to, them? To an extent. <laughs> But at the same time, you can't listen to everything they say because everybody has an opinion. Everybody, you know, wants to to help. But um, but we are taking feedback and improving so fast and learning so much, not just from the customers, but our partners, right? Whole Foods being in stores every day. We'd work with the receivers. I was down in Whole Foods in D.C. and I saw one of our old receivers who would bring the product in. She gave me a big hug. And that's just relationship building from day one. Like you have to have great partners and you have to have great relationships with those partners. So a lot of lessons learned, I think, from those early days. But again, subconsciously, just from going out and doing it. Well, we're going to turn this over to the listeners in a minute. But what I've seen you guys do, the, the relationships you've been able to build, the brand you've been able to build, taking on challenges, truly a testament to the three of you. And from an outsider getting to look in on this, it's it's been truly impressive what you guys have been able to accomplish. So congratulations on that. My favorite part, though, is that, Jim, you were talking about yesterday, you guys are continuing to still write your story. And even though you've experienced all the success, it's nowhere close to being finished. So this is a testament to you guys. Thank you. Just getting started. Man. Yeah, just getting started. That's right. All right, we're going to turn it over to the listeners here. We got some questions from the audience sourced from Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. Let's see, where do we want to start? All right, George, I'm going to kick this one at you. Are there any books you recommend? Principles by Ray Dalio. Um, there's there's a lot of great leadership and management books out there that I, I would recommend. Um, but principles, I always recommend people starting with because it provides a great framework um, for learning and continuous improvement. So um, you're going to learn a ton about about some of the things he's done in his life to, to you know, have the largest hedge fund in the world, but um, also just teaching you how to learn um, the right way. And it's been invaluable for me. I probably read the the least out of the brothers, but I would also recommend starting with Shoe Dog. That's Phil Knight's book, and it's a, it's a great narrative, great read, and it also gives you the mind of an entrepreneur, which is awesome as well. All right, coming at you, Jake. Uh, some people may have just saw you with your shirt off in Iron Man magazine. The question is, what type of workouts are you guys doing to stay in such great shape? Uh for, for us, I think, and I think both you guys would agree, is just finding a way to get anything in is, is, is the biggest point, right? And if you got 10 minutes uh, in your hotel room and can bang out some push-ups and you know you're traveling, then then that's it. But uh, we really love doing like uh, high-intensity training, um, like circuits, like take 12 workouts, do them for 30 seconds on, 15 seconds off, and ro rotate through that. Um, I think that's a great way. And then 
uh, I think the football roots always love to put some heavyweights in the bar and, and mess around with that. Generally, just whatever you can fit in um, and understanding that anything's better than nothing is is probably the philosophy that all three of us kind of take on. All right. I like that. Jordan, anything to add to workouts? What, what are you doing to stay in shape? No, yeah. I think just consistency too. Uh, obviously, our schedules are pretty packed now. We're traveling a lot. Um, definitely could have a lot of excuses not to hit the gym. Um, so, you know, just making, being aware of your calendar, if you got to get in the gym at 5 a.m. or, you know, 8 p.m., uh, make time for it to Jake's point, even if it's 15, 30 minutes, get it done. And then I think the biggest thing too, for me, um, which kind of goes hand in hand is just my diet, uh, making sure, you know, I'm, I kind of call it keto aware where we're not really fully keto at all times, um, or in the state of ketosis, but, uh, definitely low carb, um, and, you know, intermittent fasting, not, not taking in too many calories, um, you know, when we're not getting our best workouts in. So, um, very aware on the diet and then just trying to get something in every single day in the gym. Jim, I feel like you, uh, have the most unique workouts or probably the most programming. Like what you should probably answer that one too. take a crack at it. Yeah. Like you said, resistance training is always a base. You know, I am a big believer in weights and, and keeping your muscles strong. Um, so just traditional Olympic lifts, but the high intensity interval training is great, especially when you're crunched for time. And most of that stuff, you can do body weight, like a Tabata, right? 45 seconds on 15 seconds off mountain climbers, push-ups, burpees, pull-ups, whatever, whatever it is to get your heart rate up. And, and it, uh, it definitely burns you out quickly. So, um, next question. This next one is for you, Jim, which one of the brothers is the best athlete? Oh, I'm glad you asked. You're talking to him. <laughs> um, it's a, that's a fun question that we get often. It's funny. We're so right now I'm 26, Jake's 25, Jordan's 24. We're all six feet tall, somewhere between 185 and 190 pounds. Um, so cut from the same cloth. I think that we're each better at different things. I'm probably the strongest. I would say Jordan's the smoothest. He was the point guard of the bunch. Uh, and I would say Jake is the shiftiest. <laughs> Jake is the best. Perfect. I don't know about that. What would you guys say? I don't know, but I have a better question. This one's for Jordan. Are you making any new flavors? And then a second question is just mocha creamer, question mark. Wow. That's great questions. Always, always making new new flavors and product lines too. We have some very exciting innovation coming in. That's political. Let's hear some flavors. Come on. Well, we won't we won't drop any. We do have a sweet cream, super creamer coming out uh, in two weeks. Um, we got some super cold brew, 11 ounce cans coming out next month. And then on the mocha super creamer, this has been a question we've been getting across the country. Mocha is our number one super coffee. Creamer is, is doing great for us, but uh, we're trying to make it work without uh, compromising on the quality of ingredients. Most mocha creamers out there are not using real ingredients. We, we like to use real ingredients. So stay tuned on the mocha creamer. We might have something special for you guys. What about anything plant-based in the queue? Do we, is there anything there? We might have some plant-based options coming very, very soon as well. Um, there's a lot going on right now on the innovation side. Um, again, the growth has been phenomenal. Our customers giving us feedback um, have been awesome. And uh, we're just trying to improve every single day. And even our current products, Super Coffee, Vanilla, and Mocha are getting better and better. So stay tuned for all these awesome updates uh, via Instagram or our website, drinksupercoffee.com. Awesome. I got another one. This one's going to the CEO this time. If someone wants to get hired by Key2, what are you looking for? I love it. Like Sean said, we've hired uh, over 50 people so far. Uh, and this story goes back to our very first hire, a uh, gentleman who is still with us, one of our best friends now, uh, Mr. Ray Clatterbuck. We hired him two years ago. And 
as our first hire, we only we knew what we needed in that individual, and it wasn't technical skills at the time back in 2016 or 2017 when we hired him. Um, it was grind mode. You know, every day was a struggle. Every day was tough. So we didn't, like I said, we didn't need technical skills. We didn't need the smartest person. So I said, Ray, if you want to work here, meet me at this trail in the woods at 6 a.m. on Saturday, which is like a bizarre thing to say to anybody. I probably Ridiculous. couldn't say that today. Yeah. yeah. So Ray shows up. Yeah, which was a shock to, to begin with. And then we just ran, we just ran on this trail in the woods on a Saturday morning for, for an hour. And my, my whole thing was, is he going to quit? Is he going to stop? Is he going to complain? And he didn't, you know, and that's, that's what we were looking for is, I mean, this is really hard and it's not for everybody. And if you think you want it, you got to show us. Right. And, and we say today now 50 employees later, um, this is the hardest you're ever going to work in your life, but it's also the most fulfilling and the most fun you're going to have. Uh, and because it's hard, we do offer unlimited paid time off going back to what we were talking about earlier, how important rest is. Uh, so yeah, I mean, grittiness, are you resilient? Can you work hard and be nice to people? Wow, that was epic. That was good. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. Yeah, there you go. All right, let's do uh, rapid fire. We'll spice this thing up. Ready? We'll start with Jordan, Jim, then I'll go last. Who are the entrepreneurs you guys look up to, one each, and why? Ready? Go. Uh, I would say Seth Goldman from Honesty, uh, just because he is so humble, such a hard worker. He did it at such a high level for so long. Now he's with Beyond Meat. They just went public. Um, he's had such a personal impact on us. I could name a thousand entrepreneurs, but Seth gets the shout out for uh, helping us and, and just being a hero of our industry. I like that. I'm going to go with a guy named Mike Rapoli. He is a co-founder of Vitamin Water, biggest beverage, private beverage company to to sell to Coca-Cola, $4 billion. Um, he's now the founder of Body Armor, serial entrepreneur. And the reason I, I chose Mike is he is he is known for his tenacity and he's known for not really taking no for an answer, but just building a building a brand that that from from conception to every store in the world. So um, really a, a unique individual. Awesome. I'm going to go with a guy who we just started doing business with uh, based down there in Bentonville, Arkansas, and Mr. Sam Walton, uh, and just because he uh, puts no limit on uh, on how big someone from Bentonville, Arkansas can think, uh, creating one of the best organizations really in the history of the world. What is, which is what? I don't think people know. Walmart. Sorry, Sam, founder of Walmart, um, but also the values that he instilled. And in, in, uh, Jim read off a, a scripture from, uh, is it a scripture? Does that sound right? Sure. Uh, a, a quote from Sam, Sam Walton in the book that he's reading, Made in America right now. Uh, and it was just all about bringing positive energy to the workplace. And while we're going to work hard, you can have fun along the way. And, and you're sharing your time with your coworkers. And they truly are your second family. And uh, I think for a guy that built such an empire, to, to have those values instilled within it, um, it's something that the three of us really aspire to be like. So, uh, Sammy Walton, you're my guy. <laughs> George, coming at you. If you could have a deal with any of the sharks from Shark Tank, who would it be? Barbara. Barbara. Think, uh, <laughs> Barbara was our girl. Behind the scenes, she was she was awesome. She was the most humble, which we really liked. Um, we almost we almost got it done, but uh, she had to scrape her tongue uh, with her pen because she uh, didn't like super coffee too much. That's a heartbreaker. Jake, Jake, what's your? Uh, if you could have a deal with any of the sharks, who would it be? Barbara or Lori. I, I think both of them um, match our level of competitiveness and tenacity, um, and. and uh, yeah, Barbara Lori. All right. Jake, what was it like being named Forbes 30 under 30? I mean, that was an incredible accolade, like acknowledgement. Um, probably felt a little undeserving of it, to be honest. I don't think the three of us thought that that we were going to uh, receive that. But also at the same time, like uh, 
the, the, the dreams that we have set out for or what, what we've kind of put on paper um, made that in line, you know? So I, I think that it was awesome. Um, but again, it was one of those things too, where uh, friends and family are like, wow, you guys are Forbes 30 and are 30 now. Like what's changed? And, and the answer is literally nothing. And it almost is, is underwhelming to receive the honor because nothing changes. I mean, I, I put it in my Instagram bio, a little flex, but other than that, there's, there's not much that's changed. <laughs> Jordan, who else in the Forbes 30 under 30 are you a big fan of? Um, I would say Maya French over at, uh, Koya. What up, Maya? What up, Maya? <laughs> but Koya, uh, plant-based, you know, protein drink. They also make some cold brews too, but, uh, really great product, a brand that we've admired before I even knew, you know, who, who was behind it. And, uh, but again, you look at young entrepreneurs really trying to make a great positive impact on people. Um, food and beverage has been that, that industry. Um, and, and she and, and Koya have done an awesome job. So I would give them a shout out for sure. Yeah, and their products are awesome. Back to what you said. Plant-based, super hard. I got to go with uh, my, my boy Dan Churchill over at uh, Charlie Street. Aussie. Dan's like 40. <laughs> no, Dan just turned 30. But when he got the list, he was under 30. Shout out to you, Dan. Head chef at Under Armour, working with Lindsey Vaughn, all the athletes over there. But started Charlie Street, Aussie-based, health-focused health uh, like restaurant down here in, in Nolita, Soho area. Um, good dude. Stop by Charlie Street. Epic. I think that's it. I think that's all we got. So what is next for us, for the three of us, for, for Super Coffee? Um, we got a long way to go. Today, we're, we're only available in about 10% of the accounts just in the U.S., um, so there's a, there's a lot left, a lot of, a lot of building to do a lot of, of positive, positive energy left. Um, we're, we're budgeted to hire up to 65 people. We'll, we'll, our full-time will be 65 by the end of 2019. That number will be over 100 next year. So keep it growing, keep it evolving, um, keeping the innovation, always sugar-free, always positive energy, spreading good vibes. Our culture is work hard and be nice to people. You know, and that's what we want to keep doing just on a much larger scale. What's next for you guys? Yeah, I think uh, the, the big one that you hit on is increasing availability of the brand. Uh, I mean, we, we've had great partnerships uh, with, with folks like Whole Foods and Sprouts and some, some of the natural channel focus. But uh, just to George, real vision is, is making it accessible to, to all Americans, especially on college campuses. So I think that's a, a big thing for us is growing product accessibility. Um, but then the big thing I think is, is growing our community uh, digitally. I think that is a huge, huge goal of ours um, just to be able to connect with more people. And obviously the product is, is a vehicle to do that. But uh, I think we're just scratching the surface digitally uh, on e-commerce and, and just through the ways that we're communicating with folks. So uh, continuing to build out our, our community there. Any ideas by any of the listeners, hit us up. Uh, we're not the best digitally right now, but it's something that we're working on and, and just want to be able to expand our reach and in, in the platform and some of the things that uh, the three of us and, and the rest of the folks at Key2 are learning every day. Yeah. And just echoing and, and, you know, jumping off these guys, but same thing. I mean, we want to to spread our, our message and uh, impact as many people as possible. So obviously 2020, you know, our plans are to become a, a national brand and we don't take that lightly. When we, when we say that, we mean uh, we want to be as saturated in Seattle as we are in our home market in New York City. Same thing in San Francisco, in Los Angeles, um, in, in Austin, Texas. We want to uh, really blow the doors off this thing in 20 
2020 nationally. Um, from a product and brand perspective, a lot of innovation coming as well. So continuing to make an impact in other categories maybe. Um, and then also uh, the thing that fires me up the most is just building out that team. Jim mentioned it by this time next year, we're projecting to have over a hundred employees. Um, and it's just so special if you can keep the culture this tight and um, you know, always looking for ways to optimize, become more efficient, be better as a, as a team in an organization, but building this company, um, you know, doing what we love every day is, is, you know, a gift, but doing it with people who we love too is, is, you know, we're, we're the most grateful for that. So, um, just keeping it going at a very, very high level. I'm shocked. He didn't say China. I thought we were going for global domination. That's what I thought you were going to say. 2021. Here it comes. Let's go. <laughs> you guys made it to the end of another episode of what got you there. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I really do appreciate you taking the time to listen all the way through. If you found value in this, the best way you can support the show is giving us a review, rating it, sharing it with your friends, and also sharing on social. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Looking forward to you guys listening to another episode. Making change transpire. That's the mission behind the most amazing tasting protein bar brand taking the nutrition industry by storm. That brand... They're MCT Co., and they make the most delicious, keto-friendly, all-natural collagen protein bars. If you're obsessed with the quality of food going into your body like I am, then head out and pick up these amazing bars jammed with 10 grams of collagen protein. They only have two to three net carbs, no added sugar, and loaded with high-quality MCT oil for the healthy fats from coconuts. Whether you're busy running the kids around from activity to activity, a professional athlete, or just someone looking for a great tasting convenience snack, do yourself a favor, head to mctco.com and use code WGYT for 20% off your order. Do you guys miss your favorite childhood cereals but had to give them up because of all the sugar? Meet Catalina Crunch, the world's first keto-friendly, zero-sugar cereal in delicious dark chocolate, cinnamon toast, maple waffle, and honey graham. When the founder of Catalina Crunch was diagnosed at age 17 with type 1 diabetes, he set out to satisfy his chocolate craving and created his own. This low-carb, zero-sugar cereal will power you through the day with 10 grams of plant-based protein, 6 grams grams of fiber to fill you up and is also gluten-free, grain-free, dairy-free, and 100% plant-based. Don't forget about that turmeric as well to help fight inflammation and boost immunity. If you want to enjoy and receive 10% off your entire order, head to CatalinaCrunch.com. That's Catalina, C-A-T-A-L-I-N-A, Crunch.com, and use code WGYT10 for 10% off. I just finished snacking on some of the dark chocolate, and it was delicious. You guys need to head out and pick some up today. If you guys enjoyed the smooth sounds of today's episode, then you can thank Brian Lapries, our sound engineer. And if you enjoy the intro song, check out Justin Great, the man behind it. I can't thank you guys enough for listening. Looking forward to you tuning in next time. What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh, what got you there with Shonda Laney? What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh, what got you there with got you got you?
Girl.